Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Today's sermon is from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Planned to preach all of Hebrews 7 in one go. Didn't work out. So we'll, <clears throat> we'll continue in the coming days. Some of you are laughing at me. It's okay. Um, but <clears throat> we're only going to be in verses 11 and 12 today. I really only have one point. I'll come back to that in a minute. I'm going to try to give an, <clears throat> for those of you who weren't here last week, bring us back up to speed on Melchizedek a little bit. But the title for my sermon is The Perfection of Jesus' Priesthood. And hopefully that will be apparent from the text. But before we begin, I'm going to read verses 11 and 12, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. So verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? rather than one named after the order of Aaron. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we give thanks again for another time, another Sunday morning, when we can meet together as your people, as your church, as the family of God, as those you have redeemed, those upon whom you have shown your mercies and your goodness and your kindness to us in Christ. No matter where we're at this morning, what's happened, what's going on, how we feel, we are up and down and we change, but your word stands forever. We are like the grass. We we grow up, and then the next thing, we're, we're cut down. We are like a mist. But Father, your word stands forever, and I pray that you would be gracious to us this morning as we consider these words from Hebrews chapter 7. I pray Jesus would increase. He would be more beautiful to us, that we would decrease. Please work, Father, in our hearts and in our lives through the preaching and teaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we looked at this priest from the Old Testament back in Abraham's day. Priest of, you remember what town? What city? Salem, which I believe probably was eventually Jerusalem. Um, And so there, Abraham had just rescued his nephew Lot and had won a great battle against four kings. And after he left the battle, he went back up to, to the city of Salem there in that area. And this man, Melchizedek, came out. And do you remember what he brought? He brought him bread and wine and he blessed Abraham. And then what did Abraham do? Abraham then gave him a tithe, a tenth of his spoils. And last week, we particularly, we saw that in every way, Melchizedek 
was greater than Abraham. That was the point last week. Melchizedek, Abraham was the, was the goat, the greatest of all time in Israel's history. But yet, this man said, and what he did, he was saying, Melchizedek, you are the priest, and you are greater. And so we saw that last week. Now, the author of Hebrews, as we think about this text, the author of Hebrews does not focus on Melchizedek as a man. Though he was, I believe he was a real man. But instead, he shows us that Melchizedek, he is a priest, or he was a priest. Very different than the priests of the Levites. Do you remember the Levites? Who did they come from? Who was the big brother, the dad? Well, it was, of course, Levi from the twelve tribes. But Aaron, during Moses' time, and during, under Mosaic law... The Levitical priesthood was set up, and so there they were. And so this Melchizedek right here in Hebrews 7, the author is saying, in this way he pictures his priesthood greater than the Levitical priests of Aaron's day and of Mosaic law. But his priesthood pictures who? The priesthood of Christ. Completely different order and this order is vastly superior to that of the Levites. In fact, as we will see even next week, his priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron and the Levites, is not even in the, in the same class as, the, as this man Melchizedek. Because he is described, if you'll go back there and look at, at 7, and remember in first verses, uh, let's see, verse 2, verse 3, he is without father, or mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Again, I believe Melchizedek was a real man, of whom Abraham was obviously acquainted, or otherwise they wouldn't have met up and gone together. But the Bible does not speak of his parents, does not speak about when he was born, does not speak about when he died at all. And so my question is, why? Well, we answered that last week, but look at chapter 7, verse 3 again. I'm going to read it. I'm going to be repetitive. He's without father, mother, genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. So this is the key to answer my question, why? Why this priest? Well, look there at chapter 7, verse 3 again. The second part of it. But he resembles the Son of God, and He continues a priest forever. Now, the reason the Holy Spirit does not speak about His genealogy is because His priesthood here in the Bible, in Hebrews 7, and another place we're going to see in a minute, pictures our Lord and Savior, the, our High Priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Very clearly. In fact, the priesthood of Jesus is of a completely... if. The Levitical priesthoods are over here. We can't even put the priesthood of Jesus on the same page. It is a completely different order of priesthood of what we have in the Old Testament. And what is so, what I just think so cool about the book of Hebrews is that the, 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 the author always goes back to the Old Testament to show what he's teaching. And that's very important for us today. In Hebrews 5, Chapters 5 to 7, he says Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Well, where does our author get this truth? 
If you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 110. So what's my question? Where does the author of Hebrews, which personally I believe was Paul, could be wrong there for sure, but we'll say the Holy Spirit, who is the real author, where does he get this? Psalm 110. Now what's really cool about this psalm is that, I'm not going to read it all right here, but we're going to come back at the end, but this psalm is all about a king who will come one day. This is known as a messianic psalm. And so when the Israelites, before Jesus, and then during the time of Jesus, and even now, when they read this Psalm 110, they see there is a Messiah who will be a king. And he is coming. And so the whole Psalm 110 is about this king who will come one day and he will rule. So that's what the Psalm is about. What is cool about this, if you look at verse 4, right in the middle of this psalm about a king, all of a sudden he says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So right in the middle of Psalm 110, in the middle of this king, he says, This king will also be a what? A priest. Now, come back to, we'll turn there at the end of the sermon, but turn back to Hebrews 7, or in Hebrews in general. Look at chapter 5, verse 11. The author says, about this we have much to say. So he's saying, There's, I can say a whole lot about this topic of Melchizedek. And it's hard to explain. Since you've become dull of hearing. And if you remember chapter 6, he gets to that and he takes a long pause. And he talks about their dullness of hearing. He says, but I'm going to come back to that. So that's what we've done now. We've come back to chapter 7. Now look at chapter 8 of Hebrews. Verse 1. Here, And we do this all the time. We need to keep this verse before us. Because it's, it's clear to the author. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. That's, our, that's the point. Now, there are a number of truths in, the, in chapter 7, particularly, as to why Jesus is superior. But, I have, actually, I've got six or seven of them. But we're only going to do one today, okay, for my sake and for your sake and for all of our sakes. So we're going to keep going there. But here's my one truth. And at the end of this truth, I've got some applications for us. But here's our one truth. Jesus is superior, or his priesthood is superior, because his priesthood is complete. Complete. In some way, the priesthood of Christ, the priesthood of Jesus fulfills or completes what was lacking in the Old Testament system of priests. Okay? That's, the, that's my truth. So in some way, Jesus fulfills or completes, or the word used here is perfect, or he perfects. Look at perfects. Look at verses 11 and 12. Now, if what? 
in the ESV, I think almost all of our versions say the same thing. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, so he's, he's thinking back to the Levitical priesthood of the Old Testament, Mosaic law. Now, if perfection had been attainable through Levitical priesthood of that time, for under it, the people received the law. What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? rather than one named after the order of Aaron. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. So here we see the word perfection. Look at chapter 7, verse 19. We see the word again. For the law made nothing, you see it there? Perfect. Look at chapter 7, verse 28. We see the same word. They're all different forms, but they're the same root word. Chapter 7, verse 28. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made what? Perfect. So the reason I chose this truth to, to expound upon it today, this one truth, is because it seems to me the author, the author starts with this word perfect. He continues with the word perfect in the middle, and then he ends with the word perfect at the end of this check section that goes together. And so it's very important for me and for us, I think, to get his point. So this idea of perfection, to me, is the author's main point. But the, the meaning in our English, when we hear the word perfect or perfection or perfected, the meaning here in the text is much deeper than our English word perfect. It can also, as I studied this word, it can be translated in the New Testament and in the Old as to fulfill or to complete. So that's, that's where I get the truth. Jesus, priesthood, is better because it actually completes or fulfills or perfects. So we can use all those words to say the same thing about this truth. Now, a good example might be technology. When you think about just the technology of the automobile alone, I was amazed as Caleb worked down at Audi for, you know, the last year or so, and he would take us on, Daddy, come down, we're going to do a test drive. I'm like, I hope I live through this test drive because he could get that thing up. But, wow, these new Audis, they were like, they would drive for you. Literally, Caleb would say, watch, let's take my hand off. Just take me. I'm like, son, put your hand on. But the technology of this car, I still couldn't do that. If I had a car like that, I'd be, I would be driving. But the technology, if you go way, way back to the, I don't know when wheels were used, but I imagine they were used way back in the beginning. Make a wheel and push stuff around, you know, put four together, put something on top of it, put a cart to pull it. Just think about the transportation, though, all the way up to, you know, the invention of the automobile with, with, with Mr. Ford. Amazing things. And so we see that through the years, we see an attempt to perfect, you know, transportation. We could, we could talk about all kinds of stuff in, in, in technology. I think about a light bulb. They just come around and go around. Well, we're always trying to improve upon and perfect this light bulb to save more energy or whatever, and it just seems to get 
you know, more efficient and more efficient and more efficient. We can think about farm equipment, phones. I got the coolest phone ever. Y'all would be happy. I have a Google Pixel phone. And it's, I don't like it as good as my LG yet because I haven't figured it out. But in the designer's minds, they are, they're doing their best, right, to perfect it in some way, shape, or form. We could talk about all kinds of examples. Now, I use that example, or those examples, because in the same kind of way, Jesus, His priesthood perfects completely. Now, my example is bad because we're going to keep going with technology. But with Jesus, He actually is the completion. He actually is the perfection of that priesthood. He actually is the fulfillment. And again, that word perfect is translated all three of those ways in the New Testament, depending on context. He completes that which is lacking in the old priesthood. It, I mean, in the old priesthood. So think about it, though. If perfection would have been found in, in that priesthood and under Mosaic law and the way that Moses set all that up, if that would have been able to, to do what it was supposed to do, why would we need another? That's his point, really clearly. And these verses speak also here about this priesthood and this law of Moses. They go together. Look at verse 12 again. For when there's a change in the priesthood, there's necessarily a change in the law as well. Now, there's a lot here, I, I must admit, and we'll get to some of this next week. But the implication is that the old system has come to an end. What's our context of the book of Hebrews? Hebrew Christians, what were they doing? They were going back. As if Mosaic law could save them. As if Levitical priesthood with the animals and everything that they did in that system could bring about perfection. So the old system, Mosaic law as covenant, had come to an end when? With the new covenant in Christ. When the new covenant in Christ arrived. And this is the point, I believe, of Psalm 110 verse 4. Let me read that again. The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The arrival of this Melchizedekian priesthood means that the Aaronic priesthood and the Mosaic law are no longer in force. In other words, the law of Moses as a covenant, that old covenant has given away to a fulfillment. It's Fulfillment, its perfection, its completion in the new covenant in Christ. So with this in mind, I must ask some questions. What does this... <clears throat> By the way, I'm going to go back to this again next week. We're going to hit more of this. But questions for today as I try to apply this to our lives. What does this perfection, this completion, this fulfillment do for you? Calls yourself a Christian, you are Christians, we are Christians, here we are today. What does, it, what does it do for us? Why is it so important that there is a new and better high priest? 
What does it mean that Christ has fulfilled the law of Moses? Well, this is important for us because the Old Covenant and the Old Priesthood was not sufficient. I could have made that my point today. It wasn't sufficient. And that it could not complete what is lacking in us and in this world because of what? What, what is our problem? If you've got a problem in your household today, what is the problem if you want to go to it? Yeah, you're the problem, but it, it goes deeper than you. The problem is sin. At the end of the day, sin is always our problem. So in some way, shape, or form, that old system could not do what this new system, this new covenant, had the power to do. It was not sufficient. Very, very, very important. Now, you might say, well, John, those folks were also saved by grace through faith as they trusted in God, trusted in His promises to save. Yes, we would be correct. You would be correct by saying that. But still, their salvation was waiting upon a new priesthood. This is one of the author's points. Look over at chapter 10 of Hebrews. Turn over a page. Verses 1 to 4. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, this is Mosaic law there, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. There's the point. They're not sufficient. They're lacking in some way. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, talking about the Old Testament, the sacrifices of that Levitical priesthood, these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. What, what, you ever make sense of why they would put those animals there? I mean, there, was, there are a lot of reasons. They all pictured, of course, the, the sacrifice of Christ. But when they put those animals on that altar, what did it remind them of? They said, God, we belong there on the altar. We are sinners. That's where we're supposed to be. But in our place, you've provided for these animals. That was for a time, though, until Christ would come. It says here, again, chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The old priesthood, the old covenant could never take away sin. Now, yes, as they look forward by faith, same way, through the grace of mercy of God, as they look forward, their, their sins were forgiven. But their sins were not forgiven apart, apart from the promise of God to send His Son. They looked forward. So which way do we look? In some ways, in this regard, we always look forward to the consummation of all things one day, but we look backward upon the sacrifice, death, and resurrection of Christ. 
Look at chapter 11, Hebrews, verses 39 to 40. Talking about them, Old Testament saints, and all these, though commended through their faith, so he's saying, yep, they had faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something what? Better for us. That apart from us, that's the key here, apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That's why the writer of Hebrews says we all go together under the same sacrifice. They're looking forward, we're looking back, but at the end of the day, all of God's work, all of God's promises, everything is yes in Christ. So that's my explanation for today. For the remainder of our time, they don't have much time left, but in a very practical way, I want to mention five ways the Levitical priesthood is inadequate. I've already mentioned them a little bit, but I'm going to dwell on them a little bit more. First one is this. So in what way is that system of priesthood under Mosaic law inadequate? Number one, the old priesthood could not fully and finally forgive sins. I've already mentioned this, but only in Christ can the full pardon of sins be found. Can you imagine with what great passion and emotion this pastor urged those Hebrews? Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. You can look there with me. As I could see him saying, Therefore, let us leave these elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity or the Messiah there, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead work and faith towards God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those things, this author was saying, those things will not and cannot save you from your sins. So, brothers and sisters, in the same way, we must look unto Christ, who is both the author and the finisher of our faith. As Gentiles, I, someone may be in here of, of uh, Jewish heritage, I don't know, but here we are in China Grove, other side of the world, we're not in Israel, the gospel came to us as Gentiles. We're not looking back as they did in the same way to Mosaic law or the Levitical priesthood, but the principle for us still is the same. In other words, we cannot trust in our good works to, to add anything whatsoever to bring salvation to our souls. So I must ask you, are you trusting in any good works that God might accept you? He might look at your works and say, I accept you because you're such a good person. Do you look back to your walking an aisle or getting baptized or giving your money and your tithes, whatever, to the church, or looking to your church membership in any way, shape, or form as the basis of your acceptance to God. These things will not make you complete. They have no power whatsoever to save. So that's one way that the old Levitical priesthood could not accomplish what, what Christ has done for us. Number two. The old priesthood could not secure full access to God. 
those priests, think about the priests in the Old Testament. They entered an earthly temple, and the high priest could only go in the Holy of Holies how many times a year? One time a year. One time a year. One time he could go beyond the veil, the curtain, into the Holy of Holies. But our high priest, where has he passed? One of my favorite verses here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. He has passed through the heavens. That is where he is. Do you remember what happened when Jesus laid down his sinless life on the cross? When he laid down himself, took the place of all of those sacrifices, all those old animals. Just think, at that one point, all of that was coming to an end. He was completing, he was fulfilling, he was perfecting what those things were pointing to. And so when he laid down his life as a sinless man, the Son of God as well, on our behalf, what happened? Matthew 27, 51, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn completely in two. It was rent, that's the word. I think he rents the heavens. Wow, it was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. There's the coming. God's saying, this is what all of this has been pointing to in the old covenant. Here it is. Hebrews 6, 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope. That enters into the inner place where? Behind the curtain. So now, under Jesus as this new priest, after the order of Melchizedek, our full access to God is complete. As Christians who have the Holy Spirit praying in Jesus' name right now, access. It's not like the access goes away when you go out and you go get in your car. So Christian, full access now. No weekly thing into the greater temple area. No travels to Jerusalem. No once a year going into the Holy of Holies. You have access right now. And so God is pleased with us in Christ as He covers our sins always. Always. This is why when we read John 6.37... Jesus says, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast them out. He lives to intercede always for us. Eternal priesthood. So if you can come to Him in repentance and in faith, your coming to the Father in Christ is complete. Number three, the old priesthood what was lacking in the old priesthood, the old priesthood could not transform human beings so that they might become righteous. The old priesthood had nothing to offer but animals, albeit spotless animals, but that's all they had to offer. Plus, they could offer themselves but in the service of God, but what were to happen if one of those priests were to actually offer himself? as a sacrifice. Well, the wrath of God would be poured out upon that priest, and he would receive exactly what any son of Adam would receive. That is death, 
spiritual death, punishment, and eventually hell. That is what the Bible teaches. But who were those priests? <laughs> they were sinners. None of them were righteous. And if you think about the world that they lived in, it was no different than the world we live in, in that it is sinful. And they, in the same way, they're waiting. <laughs> waiting for one day, the consummation of all things. And we're still waiting for that. But <clears throat> they had no power to make us, to put this in a simple way, I think, to help us to be godly. So when young people, when you go off to school, you're in the last weeks of exams and stuff, and you go every morning and you go to school, what power do you have to be godly in the old system? You don't. When we go off to work, what, what, what helps us? What gives us grace that we will not be liars and that we will not um, you know, be adulterers and we will live differently in this world? Well, the old system didn't have the power to do that. This is Paul's point in Romans. He says in chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? Power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. So the old priesthood could not transform us and help us to be godly. Number four. The old priesthood could not effectually motivate or and this just goes along with the one I just said but I wanted to, to get some verses here but the old priesthood cannot effectually motivate or sanctify the people in respect to godliness so there was nothing there I'm just going a little bit deeper with the last truth Jeremiah 31 31 if you're familiar with the Old Testament, and you're familiar with looking forward to the New Covenant, there's probably the best place in the Old Testament that says what's going to happen. Jeremiah 31, 31, we read. <clears throat> Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Speaking about this new order of Melchizedek as well. Put it in context. And then in chapter 31, verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Here's what he says. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. Christianity is all about the heart. The change of the heart. Here we see the prophecy of a changed heart. This is the power in the new covenant to change the heart. Let me read Paul's words to Titus, chapter 3, verse 4. Here's what happened when you became a Christian, right here. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Or Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. 
For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all peoples, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I think of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Does it feel that sin clings closely to you? Christ did not come merely to justify us and make us right in God's eyes. The one who is justified will also be sanctified. So if you find yourself year after year after year after year, and you just it's just a religion to you, then I would say beware. Maybe the Holy Spirit is not there because from what I'm reading, and when I read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is effectual, and is powerful, and there will be a change where? In your heart. And if your heart wants something, what's it going to do? It's going to go after it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, and vice versa. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And so, brothers and sisters, this is a test for us. Christians, in their heart, love Christ. Above all things, we love what the Lord has done. We love His cross, His death. We love His resurrection. We love what the Bible says. I'm not saying that we don't fall because we always fall. But Christ came not just to justify us, but to make us godly. And so if there are sins in your life and you're saying, you know what? I've had this going on for a long time. And it applies to all of us. And I know this gets a bit subjective. But if you know, I think we could go to other places. And I'm speaking to myself. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I think we could find ourselves right here with these Hebrews trying to go back to the things that really don't matter in this life. That's the principle. And so, if you find that sin is so clinging to you, I would say to you, I would say to myself, do something about it. Repent and look unto Christ, who will give you the power to change your heart. We should always pray. The Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. If we love Christ, He's just going to give us Christ more and more and more and more and more. Finally, this morning, last thing. The old priesthood could not restore the rule that human beings lost, that we lost when Adam sinned. So let me say that again. The old priesthood could not restore the rule that Adam lost. I often think of these verses, I often speak of these verses when I preach. Genesis 1, 28. You're familiar with this. God says to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the command of God to Adam and Eve to rule, to govern, to order the earth. 
And they were doing a really good job at it. Until what happened? Until sin. But they were still ruling the earth. They were just doing it very, with a very different quality than what was happening before. Instead of ruling in righteousness, they ruled in sin. Now, Adam was our first king, and he was also, I believe, our first priest. And no matter what he did, and no matter what he did after sin, he could never restore what he lost. Adam and Eve, they couldn't. That's why, we got, that's why we're in the mess we're in. That's why we read the news and listen to the news and watch the TV. That's what we got. We got sinful people ruling the world. And so... The old system could not restore that. They could never do that. They could never lose what we lost in the fall. Now, in closing, go back to Psalm 110 with me. Psalm 110. And here's where we're going to close. By the way, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Psalm 110 verse 1 is probably the most quoted verse in the New Testament. But, Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, this is David writing, The Lord says to my Lord, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 2, the Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. The people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your, of, of your youth will be yours. Go down to verse 5. Skip 4 for just a second. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of His wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, He will lift up His head. It's all about a king ruling. But right in the middle, verse 4, go back there with me. This is the point of our author in Hebrews right now. He says, the Lord was, has sworn, will not change his mind. You, this is the Lord he's talking about from verse 1. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see, this king who would come would also be a priest, and I'm not going to say much here, but what was lost in Adam has been regained. And now, as we make disciples of the nations, what happens? We go out, we share the gospel with people, and their hearts are changed. And that is why we see the nations being blessed through the spread of the gospel. And that's what we do. And again, there's much here, but in Christ, what was lost in Adam is, and one day in the new heavens and the earth, new earth, it will be completely restored to which we look forward one day. But there's much in this chapter. In fact, next week, Lord willing, pray for me that I can be succinct. I'm going to have six of them next week that we're going to finish up chapter seven. But for today, let me just finish up by saying Jesus is superior to the Levitical priesthood because his priesthood, that of Levi and Aaron and their sons was incomplete, but in Christ it is complete. He has passed through the heavens. He's gone beyond the veil. 
He has done what those earthly priests could not do and what they cannot do. And our hope is anchored today in heaven where Christ sits. Therefore, we worship him as Christians today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words today. Pray that if something was said that was not right or not of you, may we forget them. I pray that what is true and what is right, that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand and to put these things to practice, that we would know who our great high priest is. What the old system could not do, Christ has done. He has perfected it. He has completed it. He has fulfilled it. So, Father, give us grace and help us today in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove, to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.